Welcome to today's episode of This I Am Cancer We're joined today by Alice Weatherall, who is the clearance volunteer at the Anglican Diocese of Gippsland, uh, who's joining us and sharing her stories of music. She's a musician um, and how she's used music in her worship and religion. And she's going to share with us some stories and experiences of being an Anglican visiting China. Welcome, Alice. Welcome to Gippsland Anglicans on Air. How are you? Very well, thank you, Libby. Thank you for having me. You're a musician. Have you been a musician for a little bit of your life or a long time? Since I was seven years old. Seven? Who got you into music? My brother was a trombone player in the um, brass band and I decided this was, um, and I was very close to my brother, so I thought, he's going, I'm going. So that's where it all started, and I haven't stopped. And you obviously love to play. Are yes. you still playing? Yes, yeah, still playing. Playing with the Warrigal Municipal Band at the oh, moment. Fabulous. Yes. Fabulous. So it's a uh, good fun, good fellowship. Do you get out and perform sometimes? Yes, we do. Yes, we, um, we do a combined year, the talk combined um, play out with uh, a band from Melbourne uh, and the Salvation Army Band in Warrigal and the Warrigal Municipal Band. We have a great big thing on stage um, there at oh. the Salvation Army place in Warrigal. And uh, it's brilliant having 50, 60 musicians on stage. So yeah. It's a great experience. That would be a big big volume with that number of brass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Although they're very good musicians, so they're all very contained. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not often with brass band music. Yeah. yeah. Did it take a long time to learn to play your instruments? Probably I was uh, allocated six months down the woodshed down the back of the house. <laughs> I was allowed to play inside. Uh, so, and in those days we didn't have teachers like they've got now. Kids are so lucky. Uh, and so we were given a tuna day book, yeah. and, uh, which is the standard cornet book, in B flat cornet. And then you were asked to come back when you could get to page 55, which was the endearment march. So the poor neighbours put up with all this hoot and tootin' and gosh knows what else, but it was very dedicated. <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, so finally I was allowed to play, and I had to wait six months before I could actually sit in the band. Oh. And then and I was, I was in um, the corner line, you have a solid principal, then you have uh, three support principal corners, then you have a, a reprimand corner. Then you have um, a second corner, third corner, fourth corner, fifth corner. Well, I was in fifth corner for about two years. <laughs> so I had played all these offbeats until uh, we ever did. But it was, it, was, um, it was a good learning curve. And by the time I was 15, I was a principal corner player. Right. So um, great memories. That's quite an apprenticeship through those grades up until you trusted enough to play those feature lines. Yes, and not only that, um, Libby, it was the uh, discipline of playing music. Uh, you have to practice. Yes. And, and the competition was there and the rival was there to between the rest of the people too. And we were only, I think I was about the second woman ever to oh. play in the brass band oh. uh, in, in, in that town. And yeah. um, so there was also contending with these old gentlemen that didn't want to have a woman in the band. That's interesting. Well. Yeah. Yeah. They used to make me wear this horrible outfit <laughs> until they decided they'd upgrade it to something that was um, Civilised uh, for a woman, and yeah, so no, it was good, but it was a good learning curve. And not only that, there was no social outings other than church that we, us children, were, were um, exposed to. So um, the band was great because yeah. it um, taught you how to socialise and respect one yeah. another. In, mu- in music, you always respect the person sitting beside you or in the group. Yeah. There is no ever no competition that you are better than me, and I'm better than you, and I've got this nervous and makes so many mistakes. It's just etiquette. Mm. So I was taught brass band etiquette mm. at a very young age. 
So never to criticise another person mm. there because everyone's got different levels. Mm. So and then later on, I taught music to the um, children. I had my own little training band and what have you. So taught a lot of children, gone to their homes um, with their parents, of course, gone gone to their homes and given them lessons and over my. Many, many years of playing. Yeah, yeah. Very rewarding. I had friends all over Australia because of our spending. Wow. So, um, what a gift. That's it, been. It's, been a, it's been a very special gift. Yeah. Yes. I've, I've gone to, you know, all major, major towns, old little town, Broken Hill. I've gone because when you play in the corner, you can carry it with you. Yes. So when you go to another town or on holidays, you just not find who the secretaries ring up, find out what time's band practice. And no worries, oh, come on, come on in. And you just sit there with them and play. So it's fellowship again and you get to know a lot of people. What a wonderful culture that is among um, brass band culture and and, and it's uh, reminding me of those um, industrial ties too that I've seen films of where, um, you know, coal, coal miners might have yes. had a colliery band or, yes. the, or the town yes. had an industry and they'd have their band as part of their social world. How has music um, played a part in your in your church life and your worship life? And it's played a major part because one of the um, secrets of a brass band is they warm up my hymn. And um, so I was introduced to hymns, well, from Sunday school anyway, yeah. you know, but you introduced my hymn, they usually used to warm up on a hymn and warm down on a hymn. Is there any reason? Opportunity. Okay. The, to, to the brass bands, you know, we've got so many instruments and. Um, You've got a good musical director out the front, and we did have for many, many years. Well, well most of them are. And um, so we would, it was to tune the band. Yeah. Because they were exposed with hymns, they're slow, they've got long notes. Right. And um, it's a good warm up piece. Yeah. And, uh, so, that private, as well as that, um, I've always been religious, I've always loved hymns. I haven't got a very good singing voice, but I screech with the rest of them. I was privy to the Salvation Army Southern Command Band. Yeah. They were coming up and we were hosting them as a brass band. And um, I went on stage and played with um, the soprano cornet um, with Maxi Orchard, a very, very gifted soprano player in the Southern Command Band. Yeah. So I played on stage with Nick sitting next to him. Uh, and then I played in an army band. The Southern Command Band, again, so it was a, a one-day um, sit with them. Enjoyed that a lot. I was only 15 then, and I remember it clearly. Then um, I changed churches for a little while, so I went to the Salvation Army and in, uh, in Morwell, and they have a band, of course. All the Salvation Armies have their bands. And, uh, and I was lucky to be allowed to play with them. And that was my highlight every Sunday was to get get to church. I couldn't wait to get to church to play in the band. So we played hymns. And um, if you have been to Salvation Army, there's normally always a Salvation Army band on the yeah. stage the whole service. Yeah. So um, it was a great experience, that as well. And you could see the house too. Absolutely. Knew <laughs> <laughs> what was going on everywhere. Alice, when we were speaking prior to um, this conversation, you mentioned a bit of a local legend in Gippsland, uh, uh, Bruce Armstrong. And, yes, and Yeah. Would you like to tell us about Bruce's legacy? And oh, Bruce, oh, gosh, he, he started off as a teacher. I think it was a, I'm not sure, uh, some sort of fitter term or something. That, um, I think he came from Bendigo. Bendigo or Ballarat came from there initially. Anyway, he was um, <coughs> musical director of the Warrigal Municipal Band. And I think it was about 1985, 
I came to Gippsland and um, wanted to play music and I didn't know where to go, so I went to Warlock Band and then um, there was a Gippsland band group. Um, so we went to this camp, a music camp at Warlinda, and uh, this conductor was there, Bruce Armstrong, and I thought he was pretty ferocious actually, but uh, anyway, I remember he was trying to music at some point. And then uh, I thought, geez, he's good to myself. And uh, he put me straight away onto the print, one of the second principal corners position. And, uh, and I thought, hmm, this is, this is great fun. But I was watching, at least I mean, with children from about, I say, seven, eight onwards to late teenagers, and I could see that this man meant something to him, to, to, to all these people. And I was watching, and the respect I could see, even from young children towards this man, I thought, gee, this guy's, you know, I don't know who he is, but he's pretty good. So I got talking to him over the course of this 10 days at this music camp, and, and I, I, at the end of that camp, I had the same respect for him. Wow. He was a brilliant musician. He was brilliant to be able to teach music. And even though he's gruff, at times he had he had a wonderful relationship with these, these kids. He could just he relate to them. Yeah. And he brought the best of music out of them. Yeah. He did it to me. Yeah. You know, because I'm I'm a lazy player. Mm-hmm. But he bought, he made me sit up, be attentive and to play. So and then I was in um more band for five years and I went to Trailgun Band and Bruce's name is always associated with all these local bands. And uh, I was in Trailgun Band for twenty three years. And then I was getting a bit dis, um, disillusioned with their politics. I don't like politics. And so he said to me, Atlas, you can come and join my band anytime you want. Now, he had an A-grade band, yeah. which is very high up there. Um, and I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, he said, uh, when I was, he said, Atlas, don't, you know, please just come and play my band with me. And um, I did. And I've been there, I don't know how many years now, but it's been quite a few. And, uh, and I love it. He's gone. He passed away. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the saddest days of my life to play at his funeral, or the memorial after his private family funeral. Yeah. Um, they, as I said earlier, they had to have it in the um, Gippsland Warrigal Hunts Centre. It was you know, quite a large gathering. Had the biggest amount of brass band, band players on stage. Um, couldn't fit them all in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very beautiful service, uh, very sad, and yeah. I still miss him. Yeah. yeah, he was a legend. Yeah, and he was very much a Christian. Yeah. He used to go to St Paul's at Warrigal. Yeah. Um, very good friends with Philip Muston. So, um, and he brought that into the band. He brought that family atmosphere into the band, respect, and um, we all certainly respected him. Uh, so yeah, it was he, he was a beautiful person, really was, and I still miss him. He's taught a lot of people. Mm. A lot of those people have gone on to bigger and greater things. And they're carrying that legacy with them. So he'll never be forgotten. What a, what a remarkable link to a local person. And yes. I'm so glad you knew that and know that of, of, of Bruce Armstrong. I've known him by name, yes. but I never knew him directly. And yes, I'd love, love to hear this. Yeah. Alice, tell me, you travelled to China. When did you travel to China? Um, well, a couple of times, quite a few times actually. But um, initially, when I was there teaching in 2003, was the first time. And um, there was quite a learning curve. How long were you there for? Uh, 12 months. Wow. And it came home for six months and they asked us back again. So wow. for another 12 months. Goodness. And you, did you speak any Chinese before you? I didn't, but I had to learn. <laughs> <laughs> 
my favourite word on earth was be farmer, and that's his um, steamed rice. Because there was nothing else there for me to eat. I lost 23 kilos in three months. Oh, my goodness. Chinese food over here is not Chinese food in China. Ah, yeah, you're on quite a limited diet for your food. (laughs) So tell me, what's it like for a travelling Anglican to be in in China? Were there places for you to, did you find the Christian community? Was it around you? Uh, We we lived in a very rural place for Jezula, and it's kind of just off the Yellow River, and it's quite inland from, um, say, uh, the event of 12 hours by train to Shanghai, to, sorry, to um, Beijing. Did you say 12 hours? 12 hours. That's a long journey. It's, it's a long journey. So I'm, I'm relating that to like Bairnsdale to Melbourne. It's about three or four yes, hours yeah. perhaps. Well, it's about the same here as Brisbane. Goodness. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's just because you do it by geo-geographically. It's yes. in the centre. Very rural. They haven't had any foreign people there teaching. Yeah. And so we were kind of living in a fishbowl. When we went, we were following, we were watched, we were, you know, People can't touch it here because you've got the blue eyes. One day we decided we wanted to go to church Christmas Day. So anyway, we walked around and walked around. We saw this huge gathering of people around this double-storey, very old building. And um, I said, Michael, that's got to be a church. Nobody else would be there. And so we, we, we sauntered on over and uh, they had police guards out for crowd control. That's how many people were there, thousands. So anyway, because we're foreigners, of course, they paved the way for us, as its advantages, paved the way, and we went in there and they they indicated we had to go upstairs. Now, no one spoke English. They indicated we had to go upstairs. And uh, so we went upstairs and all these people scurried out of their seats, fighting for us to have their seats, which was a front row on the top balcony. Oh, my goodness. And I was very frightened, the amount of people on this balcony. I thought, oh, this is going to cave in, but it didn't. Anyway, when you look down onto the altar and here they were in their little outfits with their little clergy collars and real Anglicans, yeah. you know, so it was really lovely. Then they started the service and people are giving us these books, but they're in Chinese. So anyway, they started singing. Luckily, we know quite a few hymns, <laughs> so we just hummed along with them. <laughs> and they're all giving us books thinking that we can read Chinese, which we couldn't, so we pretended we did. So we have got to click in the pages. Everyone was watching, crowding in beside us like they do. You know, I thought we're going to fall over here. Someone's going to push us over. Anyway, but it was very nice service. It was a lovely service. And we were just, well, I was just grateful to be able to go to church on Christmas Day. Yeah. You know, so, and I just, just couldn't get over the amount of people. You don't get that many people in a, in a um, Anglican thing in Australia, Anglican church in Australia, nowhere near it. So, yeah, it was just to know that there is a lot of Christianity over there. Yeah. I mean, this town had about only about 600,000 people in it. Yeah, not, not a big city. It wasn't a city because the city two hours away, John Joe, had 93 million people in it. That's so big. so in, in comparison, Australia at that point in time had 23 million people in the whole of Australia. So 93 million people in a town, there's a lot of people, yeah. or in a city, yeah. and then two hours away where we were, we had 600,000 people. Well, yeah. you know, what, what would we get, 20,000 20, people in a regular city? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it was a lot. So now yeah. that, you know, that's what no wonder yeah. the church was bulging. The Italians aren't, I don't think we're, you know, we like a little bit of elbow room. Like yes, yeah. Notice that people are standing very near us and I think yeah. that's sort of yeah. a cultural norm There was no, um, there's no three, you know, three-yard space around us. There's no personal space whatsoever. Yeah. And, and do you know what? I've never been to a football or cricket match since. 
Uh-huh. Because the people were in my face for two years, uh-huh. and it really put me off crowds. There you are. Yeah, yeah. isn't that amazing? I, no, yeah. I just don't don't feel comfortable in crowds. Not yeah. that I was frightened. No. I mean, it was the safest place to walk down the streets of China because their their um, laws are so strict. Yeah. No, they still have sixty four offences. So it was they put to death offences. Wow. Yeah. So they don't break the law in China. Not yeah. where we were anyway. It's yeah. very safe. Tell me how you felt being in a service like so. It, it was lovely for there to be uh, be there at Christmas and to yes. have a service. Was it what was it like to see some of those things of the liturgy or those traditions of an Anglican service. Did that feel like at home for you? Did it was there a comfort in that? Yeah, it was a comfort. There was no no persons around us to speak with in, in, in English. So um going to church was a good relationship that just kind of felt like it was comfortable. Yeah. Felt like you were, you know, part of something that Everyone could understand. Yeah. There was no barrier of your language. Yeah. You know, so even though it was a service in Chinese. Yeah, still felt comfortable that we were in something that we were comfortable in. Yeah. I was with my yeah. husband's a Baptist, but yeah. um, it, it goes with me. But, I mean, yeah, I just felt like it was a realisation that I don't have to miss out on Christmas. Yeah. I'm here. You know, this is where it's at. Yeah. So it was good. It was a good relationship. Yeah. That would be a special feeling. Did you get to return to that church at another time? No, I didn't actually. We had, you know, like in, in China, living was a foreigner in China, in a rural place, not Shanghai, Beijing, they're, they're different. Um, we had to fight for survival, basically, for food. And, okay. Um, you know, we spent most of our time looking for food. Okay. We could eat. So, and even to learn the language, we put in while we learned the language because we had to live because we had to teach as well. Yeah. Um, and... We just didn't have the time to mm. to do that. Mm. And of course, in China, of course, they, they school seven days a week. Do they? Yes, seven <laughs> days a week. Would you mind bringing my children, <laughs> letting them know how good they've got it? And being a teacher, I was expected yeah. to be there. To be, you know, like to do the 10 o'clock. And I said, well, I said, because of religious grounds, I can't do 10 o'clock at night teaching. So I got rid of that really early. But what they do, they do like, gymnastics in the morning. And then they do um, breakfast, which is vegetables and rice water. Yeah. And then they uh, go to class at uh, half past six, seven o'clock. Then they're to 12 o'clock. And then they have their sleep. And then in winter is three hours. Or, no, summer is three hours. They have a break in or two hours in the winter. Then they're back in the classroom again. And then they're to 10 o'clock at night. I'll have a small break for dinner, 6 to 6 30. Yeah. Then they're back in the um, classroom until 10 o'clock at night. That is hard to fathom. It is. You know, being a teacher, it was very hard to fathom. A bit yeah. of a shock. Yeah. We got rid of the 10 o'clock business. <laughs> So we, we, we did the nine to five. Yeah. In the end. It just it wouldn't have even seemed to be enough hours to sleep. <laughs> to finish at 10 and be back at five. Yes, well, where our apartment was, was on, 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 in the, we were teaching at university. Yeah. And the university and this apartments and the, the, the young children were above us, all the university students were above us. And because yeah. by the time they finished their class and then they'd go back and you could hear them mucking around and you could hear them. Um, doing their laundry, yeah. all sorts of things of others. So we were lucky to get to sleep or two or three o'clock in the morning, yeah. you know, so then up again early yeah. next day. Yeah. Um, Alice, I wanted to ask you um, about when you're at church at Christmas and was there some music that was familiar? How did you go with that? Was it? Was it? Were you hearing songs yeah, or things that you knew? Um, yeah. One of them was, um, even though it was Christmas, we were singing Christmas songs. 
you know, I can't think of an angel. Yes. All the stuff that we hear here at home on Christmas Day was being played over there. Yeah. And was that in English language or Chinese no, language? it was in Chinese. Okay. But luckily but the, we knew most of the words. Yep. And then they threw a, a hymn in, which I thought was unusual for Christmas, was um, All Things Bright and Beautiful. Really? Yeah. yeah. What a strange thing to have at Christmas. But anyway, I want to have some, you know, content to them. Yeah. So if somebody could look at me, screech along with that as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was just basically the, the Christmas songs, yeah. like um, Away in a Major and all that. But hearing the Chinese, I mean, yeah. it's... No matter where you are in the world, I mean, I've travelled the world. There is no matter where you are in the world, yeah. it's, it's brings you down to a common denominator, yeah. and that's Christianity. And uh, Let's take a minute. Let's hear all things bright and beautiful, and we'll come back to the conversation.
are tuned into Life FM and you're listening to Gippsland Anglicans on Air and you're with Libby Willems and joining me is Alice Weatherall who is clearance volunteer at the Anglican Diocese of Gippsland. Alice has been telling us about her experiences of being um, an Anglican visiting China when she was teaching for 12 months in a rural regional uh, place and also about her relationship with music and religion as an experienced brass player. Alice, I'm sure you've played that piece of music many times. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Not many hymns I haven't played before. <laughs> My favourites, one like everybody. This is a beautiful um, playing of everybody. This is a beautiful playing of Bruce Armstrong. It's a beautiful um, arrangement he did of um, To God Be the Glory. And it's got beautiful trumpet. Um, or cornet, as we call it, cornet, some fanfare throughout it. Yeah. It's a beautiful piece of music, some of my favourites. That's nice. And you still have the music? Do you still play or oh, yes, listen to yes, it? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, given a chance. No, oh, yeah. well, we can line that up. The <laughs> <laughs> 12 months in China teaching children, and you've just been telling us about long hours and different um, expectations of how teaching and learning is delivered or schooling is delivered. Mm. But what sort of Christian values? Were you, did you draw upon to help you during that time? That must have been a bit of an adjustment. Oh, it was, it was a huge adjustment. I think once faith gets one through, like I remember sitting, I was very sick when I was over there because of my body was closing down because of the lack of proper nutrients for a Westerner and um, and I was very sick and um, I had my gallbladder out, I had uh, kidney failure and I've never been in hospital to give birth in Australia. But um, over there I got, got ill and, um, yes, one had to draw on one's beliefs and faith that this was going to be okay. And I remember being very sick and sitting on the end of the bed and saying to my husband, what have you got me into? Why are we here? I want to go home because you couldn't go home. The Chinese won't let you break contracts. Okay. So I couldn't go home. I had my sister on the phone begging me to go home. And I, was, I couldn't. So people were sending food parcels over for us, mm-hmm. um, stuff that we could use here. So... Yes, one had to draw on one's faith yeah. to, um, to get me through this. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it wasn't all bad. Okay. I still have great friendships. In fact, two days ago I responded to one of our students all those years ago. He's coming to Australia and wants to catch up with us. Oh, how wonderful. And I thought, well, Australia's a big country here. And I responded to him. I said, Australia's very big. What city are you going to? And I said, oh, Melbourne. I said, well, that's good. And I said, where is he? Oh, I've got a colleague in Trelbin. <laughs> and I said, well, that's fantastic. I said, because we're only 20 minutes from Trelbin, so I'm sure we're going to catch up. This one of our students. Yeah. So, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And at Christmas, I get so many emails. Oh. We both get so many emails. Because my husband was a senior teacher. And he's got a master of education. He was teaching the teachers. Right. So I had to, how to teach. Yeah. So um, I was just hanging on my own. We'll teach music and yeah. English and all those um, tourism, yeah, right. all those sort of things. But um, we had a very special bond with our, our students, particularly class 2021. Yeah. Um, we got very close to them. And yeah. I didn't see any of them, any religious they yeah. never spoke of any religious aspects. Yeah. Even Christmas Day, they didn't. They didn't do Christmas Day or Christmas at all mm. because of their um, not being Christians, I suppose. Um, and, and I can remember this, uh, we were going to celebrate Christmas, my husband and I, 
So somebody sent over fruitcake. They've never sent fruitcake ever. So they sent over fruitcake. And my husband and I, and there's not me, there's husbands and some of these students went off to pinch a Christmas tree. And, and they took a, one of those big choppers that the Chinese use to cut up their meat. Oh. They took one of those cleaver. They had to cut the tree <laughs> So, and, That's here, and here they are trotting back through the university with this, you know, six foot tree, and all the kids are walking beside it, so no one could see it was actually a tree. And they crafted this Christmas tree and they came and decorated it for us because they knew that we believed in this Christmas, yeah. um, you know, and we had no one to share it with. Yeah. So it was really beautiful what they did for us for that, so we could have Christmas. What a lovely gift for their teacher to, to, to make yes. her feel more. Settled at an important time of the year. And they made little chains for us to hang on the, on the tree, and you know, they made little fairies. I don't know what the fairies had to do with it, but they made us think they were supposed to be angels. They made these little fairies that we could stick on the tree, yeah. and, and it was really special. Yeah. And not only that, started a choir. Oh, so we got these people. There was a, there was an American person came to this um, later to this university, and so we, we decided we'd have a choir. So we go, we're teaching them Christmas carols, jingle bells. You never heard Chinese sing jingle bells. It just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> jingle bells, jingle bells, something else. And uh, so we had this 30-piece choir. So we decided we'd go around and we'd sing music to everybody, Christmas music to everybody, to all the, you know, the sports group and this group and this group. So we did that on Christmas Eve as well. Oh. We made the same Christmas songs. Whole of people. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah. So it really made me feel like it was Christmas. Yeah. It was special. Yeah. And Alice, like, I got the sense that you'd returned to China uh, yes. more than one time. You'd yeah, been when we, we came home um, and uh, I don't know why we went back having not been well during the first stint. Uh, but um, we went back, but we were a little bit more wiser. Doing the same work, yes, teaching again. But a different university. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through, when we finished the university, a private school wanted us to come and teach at their private school, which was a different experience, little wee kids. Uh, I wrote a book. Oh. I wrote an in, in education because I didn't like the way they were teaching their children. Yeah. They taught what I wrote. Yeah. They weren't explaining to the kids. But uh, anyway, so I wrote this book, a little bit of plagiarism probably in my old memory of school books, and they printed it for me. And uh, for six months I taught this book to this from grade one, I was doing primary school this time, grade one to grade six. And uh, so we introduced this book, and I believe they're still using it today. Wow. In that private school. Wow. Yeah, so um, so that, that was an achievement, if nothing else. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's many achievements, Alice. Oh, yes, yes. Alice, I want to thank you so much. What a beautiful um, half hour we've had together sharing stories and listening to your stories of, of overseas and music and the beautiful people you've met along the way and the beautiful person you are to have been brave and done the things you've done. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Libby. It's a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to Gippsland Anglicans On Air. Thank you to today's guest, Alice Weatherall. Please join us every Sunday at 6.30am or listen again on Wednesdays at 7.30pm on Life FM. In the meantime, visit our website to find out what Gippsland Anglicans are doing right across the region. Go to www.gippslandanglicans.org.au.